Welcome to season two of Step Monster. I'm Bailey and this is Elise. We're two friends who found each other by chance and haven't looked back since. In this podcast, we talk about the highs and lows of what it's like to truly be a stepmom. Grab a drink and join us for this wild ride. <laughs> All right, ladies, welcome to episode one. Ladies and gentlemen, I guess I shouldn't be so exclusive. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode one of season two. We are so excited to be back. We took a smidge of a hiatus during the month of September because the month of September, for lack of a better term, was fucking bananas. <laughs> Where there was just so much going on and there were so many different priorities and we wanted to be producing really good content for you but didn't want to half-ass it so here we are we took a little bit of break and we're we're back and we're really excited to catch up with all of you so want to start out this episode with just a little bit of a life catch-up my husband and i just celebrated our fourth wedding anniversary which is totally crazy to think about i feel like because of the pandemic maybe it's like 10 years (laughs) honestly uh i wish we could have done more to celebrate we just went to like a little dinner there's this restaurant in phoenix called americano it's really really amazing restaurant so we went there for dinner and kind of celebrated with each other and just kind of kept it low-key um i know so a couple years ago on our second anniversary we have been trying to do not just like anniversary for the two of us but we kind of like jokingly called it our family-versary And two years ago, we took the kids to Telluride and just kind of like celebrated as a family. And I I wish we would have done that this year, but I will tell you the older your kids get, the harder it is to like wrangle them for any sort of family trips. My stepdaughter is a sophomore in college. She's busy. She's, wait, is she a sophomore in college or is she a junior in college? We're getting old. I have like a major brain fart right now. (laughs) If you're listening right now, I'm sorry. Don't judge me. It's been a really long week. Um, but I think next year, so next year will be our five-year anniversary, and we we got married in Hawaii. We've always talked about maybe going back there for our fifth-year anniversary, so maybe that will be on on the horizon, but I think I really like the idea. I think I found it on some sort of, like, step-parent or blended family blog to celebrate your anniversary as a family, because that's, that's really more than just my husband and I getting married, but it's really me officially being able to own the title of stepmom, despite the fact that I was playing that role long before we were actually married. Um, so that's, that's a little fun idea. How, how's life been on your end? It's been busy. So we decided now that we've gotten most of the inside of our house remodel finished, why not start the outside before winter hits? Um, yeah, so that's been planning for that and organizing it and, you know, being the spouse that's in the construction industry, I get to uh, manage all that because it's just in my wheelhouse. So that finally broke ground and it's very muddy over here, Bailey. It's very muddy here. Well, I will be there in less than two weeks. So if I get a chance to maybe trek up to your area, I definitely want to come see the progress. I'm very excited for you guys. Yeah, it's going to be great once it's finished, but it's just getting through the process. Indeed. Also, super excited for you to visit and surprise. Oh, you're wearing the shirt from Deep Sky Vineyards. Deep Sky Vineyards is one of the Arizona wineries that we went to when Elise was in town uh, in Arizona visiting. I love that shirt. I know. It's so cozy and honestly, like perfect with leggings because it's long. So, yeah, it's like a once a week wear for me. I'm into it. Maybe I need to buy one next time I go down there. 100% you do. All right. So, earlier this week, we had... 
as usual, pulled the audience on what you want to hear, what you want to talk about. And the amount of messages that we got asking about parental alienation was insane. This is a topic that's come up a lot, but uh, really it's more been kind of over time and through our DMs and just people asking, how do I handle these types of situations? So I've just noticed that the volume of people asking about this particular thing has gone up significantly. And it was, again, one of the things that people really wanted to hear this week when we asked. So I think we should start out by saying, so in doing research for this topic, so one of the, I'm going to call her our stepmom allies, it's the Blended Family Frappe. Uh, she has a really great social media following and a really great website and blog. She actually published a whole article about this, and I'm going to link to it in the podcast notes, so anybody that is interested can actually go read it. But I really like the way that she described what parental alienation is. So I'm gonna read this directly from her blog. So she says, parental alienation syndrome is a term coined in the 1980s by a child psychiatrist, uh, Dr. Richard Gardner, to describe basically what happens when one parent programs their child into rejecting the other parent and the kid becomes a willing participant in what is essentially termed as a brainwashing campaign. And then more recently, there was another doctor, Craig Childress, that argued that it's not anything new in the terms of psychology. It's actually a particular type of attachment disorder for kids. So the attachment system, when kids are growing up, controls all aspect of love and bonding throughout their lifetime. So she had particularly said she really loves that new uh, definition because it explains how it interrupts a kid's normal mode of forming emotional attachments to certain people. So for her example, she said literally the part of her stepdaughter's brain that should have been able to create loving bonds with people equally didn't function correctly as a result of her mother's alienation tactics. And she she had said she had said this explains so much about why it's a massive challenge to be a step parent to an alienated stepkid. So if you were to summarize that, it's essentially a situation where a parent uses certain strategies that can sometimes be referred to as brainwashing, alienating, or programming to distance a child from another parent. And I will also say that this does not apply when, so like you can't be brainwashing a kid if the other parent is a legitimately psychopath, right? I mean, we've all, we've all been in the situations where the other parent is, maybe you've got like, unfortunately, a deadbeat dad and you being honest about that situation with your kids is not what parental alienation is. It's essentially lying to your kids or overly exaggerating or trying to keep them from the other party for your own selfish reasons. Do you have anything to add to that definition? Does that, does that sum it up in your opinion? Based on some of the research that I've done, this doesn't only happen in divorced families. It can also happen with families who are intact. And it's like one of those way under-researched things. But I think now it's kind of coming to a head where people are like, this is a thing and we need to know more about it and understand it because it's a really hard situation that these people are in when they're dealing with kids that are being alienated. Definitely. I'm glad you brought that up because there were a couple other comments that we had that were asking about in-laws. And I've also seen this type of thing come up, especially in our DMs with people asking about how do I deal with an in-law that like doesn't want me around their their stepkid and the in-law for has maybe has a good relationship with the former bio mom or whatever the situation is, but the in-law adds to the alienation there and actively tries to keep the kids from the stepmom for whatever reason. And again, I'm just going to disclaimer, 
if you are a stepmom who is overly controlling, who is trying to insert yourself in situations that you just, you really shouldn't be in. Like, I say this with, like, the, the utmost love, but, like, really gut check yourself. I mean, you don't, you don't want to be the asshole. There was a series that I had seen on TikTok earlier this week, and it was like, tell me if I'm the asshole or not. And it was people, like, basically submitting a situation, and they were like, yeah, you're the asshole here. So, like, don't be the asshole. Um, be self-aware enough to know that if, if you're really the one creating the problem, which, I mean, you'd have to go real dark down a rabbit hole in order to do that, but don't give people a reason to, to want to combat you. Uh, in the case of parental alienation, there's often no reason for other parents to to be acting that way. It's simply out of spite or out of anger or coming from a place of defensiveness for their child that, that they want they want to have that control. It's not healthy. No, not at all. And I think that if you're in that situation, you have to realize that because I can imagine that you would second guess yourself, is it me or, you know, what's truly happening? Parents make mistakes, right? But that doesn't delineate someone talking poorly about you or or using kids as weapons against you. And, you know, there's things that kids just shouldn't know about adult situations, why the divorce happened, whose fault it was. So if you're having conversations like that with your kids or your stepkids, just know that's, let's not do that. That's like adult stuff that kids shouldn't be involved in. But some of the stuff that they talk about that people who are alienating their kids from a targeted parent will do and use this tactics to get the kids to basically blame and distrust the other parent. Yes. And I want to provide a couple examples of this. So just to contextualize for anybody who's wondering, you know, is does, does this apply to me? So some examples could, I mean, to basically summarize it, it's basically a smear campaign against another parent in every regard. So that can resolve in the way of, you know, a parent saying bad things about the stepmom or the dad in that situation that either aren't true or the parent is withholding any sort of visitation or communication with the child for really no major reason. Like, there's no physical abuse, there's no verbal abuse, there's no mental abuse. It's just because they feel like they can. Um, and sometimes, I mean, I've even heard of situations where a parent will try to call that out and be like, hey, no, the, like what your mom said is actually not true. You know, she could be telling you one thing and the reality is another thing and kids get super defensive over that. So if you find your stepkid getting really defensive over something that is factually untrue that came from their mother, there's a good chance there could be some alienation going on there. Yeah, and I think some other things that were mentioned in, in the blog that she did were about empowering the kids to reject the other parent. So being happy when the kids didn't want to go to the other parent's house or spoke poorly about them to family members or other people and encouraging the children to keep secrets from the other parent or to lie to them, which, you know, I think it goes without saying that that's not a way that you should be raising kids this is a super damaging to them when they become adults for how they establish relationships and maintain relationships and just what they think is normal. So um, alienated children will also become willing spies for the alienating parent to report back to that parent on every detail of what happens at the other house. But 
the child is 100% closed mouth about anything that would happen at the house that, of the parent that's doing the alienating. Another interesting thing that I've read during doing some of the research is if you ask the child that's being alienated to say one negative thing about the parent who's alienating them, they usually can't come up with anything because they have this parent on such a pedestal and they're being so emotionally manipulated, but they will give a barrage of negative things about the parent who they're being alienated from. So normally a child will have good and bad things to say about both parents. They're not going to, you know, 100% think that one parent is perfect and the other's not. I totally agree with you. And I feel like all of those are major red flags. I mean, we're all human, right? I mean, there are surely things that I do or my husband does that are less than favorable in the eyes of like the parenting gods or whoever is is watching over us. And likewise for their mom. I mean, so if you're blindly following one parent versus the other and refusing to see both the good and the bad of just normal humans, that it's definitely a red flag. And I've surely felt when you mentioned the whole spies thing I had like a little like moment of like triggering in my heart because there were times where I was like god are they telling her everything that's happening in our household I mean are they divulging private information I mean we're we're a fairly open couple I mean we talk about a decent amount of our lives my husband has a podcast so he shares a decent amount of our lives on his public podcast so I, I don't really I don't have anything to hide their mom is a very private person so she and it's not that she has something to hide it's just that she just doesn't like her laundry aired out for everybody to see and i get that but i've definitely had moments where there was something that happened at our house and i'm like oh god i wonder if they go home and tell their mom oh my gosh bailey made me clean the whole bathroom because it was disgusting she made me vacuum the whole house like she's so mean I just, I always was insecure about what they were sharing because, I mean, they would share a decent amount with us that happened at her house. And for me, it's like, I don't, I don't think they're really being spies, but I, especially when they were younger, I'm like, ah, is that a thing that's happening? I don't know. It was, it was a weird feeling for me. Well, at the end of the day, any rational person, I'm sure on the other side would go, they're kids, you know, they're going to have stories and whether it's taken out of context or what the details are. And she probably feels the same way, like, who knows what they're saying about me? So, yeah, I definitely think that there's the rational just back and forth of what kids will say and do because they're kids. And then the more serious situation of, you know, alienation and manipulation and that sort of thing. And actually, this reminds me. So growing up, I had never met my mom's dad. He just was not around. Um, he left when she was like five and she had some contact with him just because they lived in the same town, but he never really made an effort to be a part of her life or to have her visit, you know, X, Y, Z. Well, I always wondered about him and who he was. And so I got his phone number and reached out a few years ago and he would call me and chat and he would ask me questions about my husband, would never ask me questions about my mom. Um, then was driving through Chicago and had told me and I had offered to have him over for dinner and he completely blew me off. And so prior to this, I had told my mom, do you think that maybe when you were younger, your mom kind of built a divide between 
you and him because she just didn't like what he had done. And she's like, no, that definitely wasn't it. And I didn't see it until I saw it, right? So there's definitely a difference between somebody who just doesn't want to be a parent and somebody who has been alienated alienated from their kids. So there's, you know, definitely different scenarios, but I completely forgot about that. That's crazy. That's sad. Dude, yeah. He like whatever. What a loser. <laughs> I'm amazing. So if you don't want to know me, then that's your problem. <laughs> we know that. So on the on the so real quick, on the lines of the lying or like keeping secrets. So there was this interesting there's a group Facebook group that I'm a part of for stepmoms. And one of the questions that she brought up, so there was a situation where the kids had a dog at their mom's house. And while they were at their dad's house, the dog died. It was a tragic, unexpected thing. And the mom, bio mom, had called dad and was crying and looking for sympathy. And she had asked him to break the news to the kids because she didn't want to. She's like, I just, I just can't bear it. And there were a couple different people that were replying to her saying like, absolutely not. Like what happens at your house happens at your house. And what happens at our house happens at our house. I don't want to be the one to break the news about your dog. Like it wasn't even a dog they had together. It was just a dog that she had adopted after the fact. And there was all of these differing opinions. And I'm like, all right, let's think about what's right for the kids here. But then it puts kind of the dad in a situation where if he doesn't tell the kids and they find out that he knew after the fact, are they going to be mad at him? Is he keeping a secret? So I think there's also this like weird dichotomy with step parents and bio parents and secret keeping and like, what do you tell the kids about and what do you not tell the kids about? Who tells them about certain things? Who tells them about schedule changes? So what is your thought on that? I think that can get interesting because you have to think about and take into play that if there's one parent that's always delivering the negative information and the bad news, then that's going to portray in the kids' minds that, well, when I'm at dad's house or when I'm at mom's house and that person is always the one that's giving me negative or sad news, I don't know. How are the kids going to feel if it's like, well, mom doesn't ever tell me stuff like that or dad doesn't ever tell me stuff like that. Why does it always come from you? But then there's the other scenario, like you said, where they want to know because it's, just the timeline of why didn't you guys tell me? But I think that's a situation where if that happened at dad's house while they're with mom, then dad should FaceTime with them or have the phone call because that's their family dynamic, right? And I I really feel like if they have questions or anything like that, it should come from the parent that has the information. Schedule changes. I think if you come to an agreement and the schedule changes and you want to let the kids know when they're with you, then that can go for either parent. I agree with that. I was surprised at how drastic the opinions were on that Facebook thread, although it's Facebook and today should like should we really be surprised about that? Probably not. But I just thought it was interesting. It's like who who has to be the bearer of bad news when things happen at one house or the other? And what undue stress is that putting on either the parents or the kids? I mean, some people are also better at delivering bad news. Some people are terrible at it. So depending on that as well, I mean, there's there's just so many different ways that that could go. Okay, I fall in the, to the camp of terrible at delivering bad news. So really? I feel yeah. like I fall into the camp of being great at delivering bad news. I mean, I guess it depends on the bad news. If it's like, Hey, we're taking away your phone. Usually it's in the heat of the moment and I'm absolutely terrible at that. I let my husband handle 
handle that. But if it's something that I feel like I need to, I mean, I think so I manage a decent amount of employees and anytime I need to give somebody bad news about their employment or anything, I feel like I'm very matter of fact, I'm very, you know, focused and very succinct and I just get it done and then I move on. Not to say that it doesn't affect me after the fact, but the actual moment of delivery, I feel like I excel at. Oh, I'm like nervous wreck. <laughs> I really wouldn't gather that from you, honestly. <laughs> I feel like I'm good with our son because he's little, so I can like spin it or like re-divert him. But we've not had any like like terrible news. But yeah, professionally, I'm like, dude, my hands are sweating. And like, even right now thinking about it, I'm like, run. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. So getting back to parental alienation. So there are some things that as a stepmom, if you're in the situation that you can do to try to help. One of my pieces of advice for a decent amount of situations is just focus on the relationship with your kid and your relationship with your husband. There will always be outside factors that come into play and none of those things are things you can control. You can't control what your in-laws think of you. You can't control what she thinks of you. If you're doing the best you can and you're putting those kids first, you're putting your relationship first, that's all you can do. So, and I will say too, I mean, earlier on in my stepmom journey, there were moments where I felt like there were things being said about me outside of our household that were less than favorable. And I could tell they were wedging their way between me and my stepkids. And it may not have even been things that were said to them, but it was a general feeling. I mean, if if I was in the same room as their mom, you could feel the disdain for me. And you could feel the awkwardness and you could feel the uncomfortable uncomfortableness between the two of us and kids pick up on that shit if you think kids don't pick up on that type of energy you are blind so even though I knew that was there I just tried not to focus on it I tried to just focus on developing my own relationship with them reminding them that I understand I'm not your parent but I'm still an authoritative figure in our household and I deserve respect just like a teacher just like a doctor just like an any adult that you would consider someone responsible for helping you make your way through life. So my best advice of regardless of your situation, if it is ex extreme like parental alienation, is just focus on the relationship with that kid. Focus on finding a common ground with them and just letting them know, hey, listen, I'm cool if not everybody likes me. I don't need to be liked by everybody, but I really love your dad and I really love you and I'm, I'm ready to I'm ready to move forward and I'm ready to just be there in whatever way you need me to be there right now. And for me, I mean, my, my stepdaughter is 20 now and the way that I'm there for her now, I mean, I'm, I'm, I feel more probably like an older sister than I do a parent. I mean, she texted me today uh, having some issues with her roommate and I gave her some advice on how to approach that problem. And she sends me funny TikToks. Like we just, we have a really great, easy relationship and she comes to me for advice, but it, it never, to her, I think, feels like I'm trying to really parent her. It's just that I've, I've become kind of this, like, trusted advisor. And I think that's a really good route to go. I think the more that you can educate yourself and, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to read every single book, but understand just the general ways that things can happen, what you can do. And it's one of those things, and I completely agree with you, that you can't control other people. All you can do is control yourself. So 
stay positive. Just continue to show love and compassion. Don't give in, even though your feelings may be hurt that things are being said or, you, you know, whatever that looks like. You're an adult, and so you get to decide how you want to react to things. And kids are kids. So I think that we need to understand our role in the situation and just remain as positive as possible. But of course, you know, trying to document everything that you can get advice from a professional, whether that be a therapist that maybe you see and work through it or an attorney, just to try to figure out what your options are. I will say that just based on the research that we've done and getting ready for this podcast, I do get the vibe that the court system really hasn't caught up with the research and they're just not there yet to recognize parental alienation. So some things that I read that that you can do as far as seeing a social worker or a therapist is a big thing that they do is counseling parents that are facing parental alienation that they need support, they need to be educated, and they need guidance. So a therapist, their primary role, if it's a therapist who's familiar with parental alienation, is to help you become educated about the primary behaviors that children can exhibit to turn against you as a parent and what the general syndrome is so you can determine whether that is in fact the problem and then also be encouraged to look at yourself and your relationship with your children prior to blaming the other parent for their difficulties or for your difficulties rather and um So if there is a conclusion that it is parental alienation, you should be taught a series of responses to combat that that would allow you as the targeted parent to maintain taking the high road um, while not becoming overly passive or reactive, which I think is really good advice. I think that's great advice. And I also think you nailed it when you said that the court system has not caught up with this at all. I mean, some of the advice that blended family frappe had was document everything. Make sure that you get everything that the alienated kid says or does that could demonstrate some sort of consistent pattern to prove that there is alienation happening. And I mean, it's important to say that documentation alone will will not help you go make an argument in court. But if you can have proof that there's a certain parent that's trying to limit your involvement, your rightful involvement in a child's life for a reason that cannot actually be verified by the kid themselves, that's a huge problem. And I think even therapists, I mean, there are some therapists that I think get it, but there are some that just definitely don't. They just, I mean, when you when you hire a therapist or even when you hire an attorney, like it's it's their job to have your back, right? So they're they're looking at your situation. They're trying to figure out how can you win? How can I help you be successful? They're not looking at that the outside weighing factors trying to analyze and and adjust all of that. So I just there's so many factors in that. It's just so complex. It's so hard to even try to unravel. Well, and I think the other piece to that is it can be so extreme that one of the things that some of the articles that I was reading highlighted was that, you know, if you're a therapist in a clinical setting, you need to make super sure that you're not aligning with what this kid is saying and you're aligning yourself with them to further alienate them from the targeted parent. Um, so one of the things was 
if you come in contact with children who are currently alienated, you must be super self-reflective and aware so that they that you don't align with the child against the targeted parent. And a second concern would be um, avoiding becoming intimidated or manipulated by the parent who's alienating these kids. The biggest thing also would be the child should be helped to develop critical thinking in order to enhance their ability to resist the pressure to choose sides. And the targeted parent and the child's relationship with that targeted parent must be validated for the child. So the therapist can be a really good role model to increase values and make sure that there's mutual respect on both ends to counter some of the ongoing messages from the parent that may be going on behind the scenes. Most definitely. I mean, even outside of just like a blended family situation, my husband and I talk talk about this a lot. There are points in lives of even adults where you're taught how to think critically. A lot of that happens in college. And a lot of people who end up not going to college or end up dropping out of high school or whatever it is, they, they're missing out on that skill set. They're missing that ability to think critically. And instead of just absorbing all the information that's handed to them, they're choosing to combat that. They're trying to like do their own thing. They're they're easily manipulated. And I really do think, I mean, especially kids under the age of 21, they are, their brain is still developing. Like there's a reason high school kids do stupid shit all the time. It's because they don't have critical thinking fully developed in their brain yet. That is an actual fact. That is scientific fact. <laughs> Bailey, so, I didn't do anything stupid in high school. I don't know what you're talking I about. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> we don't even go down that rabbit hole. But there's a reason why kids gravitate so easily towards a parent that is manipulating them. It's because they haven't developed that actual skill set yet. And it's really sad to me that as an adult, you can't see through what you're doing to that kid. I mean, I was I was a kid of divorce and I my mom made a early commitment to never speak poorly about my dad in front of me. As I got older, I think the filter <laughs> filter slowly came off and vice versa for my dad. I mean, the older I got, the more he was like, yeah, there's some things that you should probably know about. But for me, by the time I started hearing about those things, I already had formulated my opinions about both of my parents, despite the fact that I saw things in both of them that were not perfect. And I know still to this day that neither of my parents are perfect, but I love them both in different ways, and that's totally fine, and I expect different things from them. Like, I get different things emotionally from my mom and my stepdad even that I don't get from my dad. And I get different things emotionally from my dad that I don't get from my mom or my stepdad. And all of those things are okay. You don't have to love people and have an emotional bond with people exactly the same way. And I think that's something that's really important for step parents to remember too, is you don't have to be emotionally bonded to your stepkids and them to you the same way that they are to their mom. That's not what this is all about. It can be different and that there's sometimes like gold and really good, cool things that can come out of that differentiation. I'm a big proponent of you have to love people for who they are. That doesn't mean we have to love everyone, but, and I think that's to your point that you love people in different ways. So I think as a stepmom, if you have a mom who's really involved and, you know, is there for the kids, you just, you're not ever going to be able to replace that and you shouldn't want to. 
you should know that your relationship is different and it's still a positive thing. Like that's still awesome. And just to kind of backtrack for a second, definitely kids are learning and their brains are developing. But even as adults, people can gaslight people all the time. So people can make you believe things that just are either taken out of context or are frankly not true. So I don't think it's just an issue with kids. I think that even adults, like sometimes we just believe things that we're told and we don't question mm-hmm. things when we should. I think a lot of this too, I mean, the, one of the other things that we got as a common theme when we asked, what do you want to hear about? Was this whole uh, essence of defensiveness, which I think nicely segues from parental alienation into why stepmoms feel defensive. We got a ton of messages of people who were saying, I just always feel like I have to be on the defensive because I feel like if I'm not defensive, I'm not constantly protecting my household, myself, my image, who I am, then I feel like I could be looked at differently. And one of the examples that was given to us was when you drop off a kid at school or when you go to like a cheer camp, for example, or cheer practice, other moms might look at you differently because you're not the bio mom and you're all of a sudden feeling like you need to defend your situation and defend your stance just because of that. So I think there's just like this overwhelming feeling from stepmoms in general that I have to protect what I can protect. And God, that is such a hard thing to to deal with and a really hard thing to overcome. What are your thoughts or do you, I mean, do you have any advice? Do you have any experience with anything like that? Yeah, of course. I mean, going to school stuff and being around the kids, there were times where other kids' parents would like try to pull them away from me. And I just had to go, you know what, I know my role. And really, I think initially, it was a hard thing for me to try to navigate. And I would try to be super nice to everyone and very accommodating. And while yes, you should do those things, you also should just not give a fuck. Like, I'm going to be very blunt here that you have the power and empower yourself to go, I'm confident in my role. I don't need to explain myself to anyone. I'm here to support the kids. If people don't understand our dynamic or they don't have um, the same dynamic in their household or maybe they are a bio mom and they have a stepmom who they don't get along with, so they're taking that out on me, that's their problem. That's not my problem. So I think you've got to pick and choose things that you care about and that's just not, that's not a hill I'm willing to die on emotionally. What I about mean, you? We just, we just end the episode at like, just don't give a fuck, <laughs> right? Drop, I mean, is, don't, can we just say in this episode, <laughs> don't give a fuck? Is there anything else that really needs to be said about that? I completely agree with you. It really is, is about that. There's a really great book. If you haven't read it, it's called the, literally the subtle art of not giving a fuck. And I recommend it to everybody who is an overthinker like I am because it's great. It really just reminds you that other people's opinions of you have actually nothing to do with who you are as a person. And even if there's something being said about you or to you in your own household, like, number one, I don't ever tolerate disrespect from your stepkids. So if they want to come to you and say, I don't like this about you, my mom says this about you, fine. But the moment it crosses the line of being disrespectful, you and your significant other need to set a hard boundary there and say, yeah, you can't talk to me like that. That's not okay. 
but you also don't owe them an explanation. You don't have to defend every choice about your own household. You don't have to defend why your rules are different. You don't have to defend why they have certain chores at your house and not other chores at their mom's. None of that are things that you have to defend. So just remember that when you're you're in a moment where you're like, oh my gosh, like we've all had that moment where you're like the words are in the back of your throat and they're getting ready to come out because you're like, I have to defend who I am right now. I have to defend my stance. I have to give my two cents right now. You don't always have to and you don't owe anybody an explanation. So just remember that. Hold your line on disrespect, but remember you do not have to explain yourself. Absolutely. Well, (laughs) honestly, one thing I was thinking about when you were saying that is our son had his little friend over and they're like besties and I'm good friends with his mom. And I like, they were in the pantry and I'm like, listen guys, you have to ask me before you just pull candy out of the pantry. And my son's friend was like, well, why? Because at my house, I don't have to ask. And it's like the same thing, right? Well, I had to explain to this six-year-old that the rules are just different. And (laughs) it's not because I'm angry with him or I'm just trying to help him understand, right? So, yeah, that was funny. I'm like, here I am, like, explaining myself and the rules of my house to a a six-year-old because he wants to get candy out of my pantry without having to ask me. (laughs) Send him back in a sugar high so true you're like here you go you do that to moms that you don't actually like (laughs) yeah I like his mom so I'm like I'm not gonna do do that that to her yeah (laughs) all right well this has been I mean a little bit of a somewhat serious episode I mean parental alienation is absolutely nothing to be joked about it is a really really serious thing and we truly hope that if you are dealing with this, that you find a way to get some help. Uh, make sure you document everything. Find a therapist that's on your side and that can see objectively. Get an attorney if you need to get an attorney. But really make sure that you know you have your mind in the right place when you're dealing with a situation like this. Remember, it's not about you. It's nothing that you potentially have done. You just, you, you will get through it. And you know, time heals all wounds, eh, most wounds, maybe not all, but you will get through it. We are here for you in the meantime. If you want to book a coaching session with either of us, you can do so through the link on our Instagram. You can also reach out to us anytime you want. Our email is stepmonsterpodcast at gmail.com. You can send us a DM on Instagram at stepmonsterpodcast. If you enjoyed this episode or other episodes, we would also love if you could give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or give us a follow or a subscribe on any platform that you're listening to. We so appreciate all of you. Bye. Are, are we doing a new one? Bye. Season one. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs>